Welcome to the Mom Needs a Moment podcast. We're your hosts, Chrissy and Cindy, co-founders of Her Health Collective. We are two moms obsessed with revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. We are so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Mama Needs a Moment. We are continuing our conversation with Dr. Robin Buckley. Dr. Buckley helps high achieving individuals thrive in their careers and relationships. She is an author, professional speaker, and cognitive behavioral coach who works with executive women and high performance couples. Dr. Buckley has a PhD in clinical psychology. She is also an author of two books and is a columnist for several well-known publications. Dr. Buckley has a proprietary coaching model that uses a business framework and cognitive behavioral strategies to support clients in creating and executing concrete strategic plans for developing their careers and relationships. If you haven't yet listened to part one of this conversation, make sure you go back to last week's episode and just have a listen. We dove into a really great conversation about relationships and marriage and how to make them stronger and a framework that is really, it's Dr. Buckley's framework that is unique to her. I've never heard it before, but it's very powerful. We actually also discussed a couple of her books. That was wonderful. Yes. Yes. Advice for adolescent girls and really all women and children when it comes to navigating that period of life. Enjoy our conversation with Dr. Buckley. How cool that you got advice from all over. I yeah, love, I love the cultural aspect to that too. I bet you can really suss out some differences there. I would love to know in exploring all of this and getting all of these responses and compiling all of this advice for girls, what personally was your biggest takeaway? Did, did you have one that really stuck out to you? I did. I, did. I fully expected, even from, even from the people I knew, that there would be responses I'd have to tease out because they'd be snarky or negative or just not appropriate. And I swear to you, I didn't have to tease out any. And that, it actually makes me a little emotional to think that so many people, even strangers, were willing to give significant and real advice. for like That to me says people are out there who want to help these you know, girls and young women and generalizing it to women. Like I didn't have to say, Oh God, this, you know, cause you're, I just expected something that would be just like, Oh, and there wasn't, and I could put in every response. And I, that, that was my, even when I think about it now, I'm like, that's powerful that, that, that and maybe it was self-selection, maybe the people who are going to respond that way, you know, self-selected out. But, you know, when I look at things like with my, my Ted talk, you know, some of the original comments that came through on the TEDx version, you know, there was some really supportive and there were some really not appropriate or well, opposite um, responses. So that's what I expected from the survey. And it didn't happen, Chrissy. Like they were all just good piece of advice that I could organize into the different categories in the book. Hmm. It's a nice reminder that there is some good in the world, which I feel we could use that reminder a lot right now. Agreed. I like that. Agreed. I love that. I, I'm so excited to read the book for myself. I feel like it will be pertinent to all things for women and regardless of their age. So thank you so much for writing that book. I, my kids, I have a 13 year old and almost 11 year old. So we're in the, in the thick of the tween teen stages yes. right now. <laughs> <You are. laughs> so 
I'm going to shift a little bit again, because I want to talk about some of the speaking engagements that you offer. So you're a coach and an author, but you also offer different workshops and different mm -hmm. uh, speaking engagements on two main topics. The first is women's power. And the second is mental health in the workplace. Will you please explain why these topics stand out to you as an important focus? And then also, do you feel they feed off of each other? Those are some great questions. So mental wellness has been, in my opinion, overlooked and is not yet given the same importance as physical wellness. You know, we'll talk about going to uh, check in as women with our gynecologist every year and we see our dentist twice a year and, you know, go to our, our eye doctors and our skin doctors and all the other physicians, which is a normal part of taking care of our wellness. But when we consider other areas of wellness, including our mental health, it's just not seen at the same priority. And it boggles my mind because our mental wellness is equally as important as physical wellness and connected to our physical well, uh, wellness in a bi-directional way, you know, each related to each other. So certainly the pandemic brought a lot of this to a head in terms of mental wellness and a captured audience is the workplace. Having people feeling good from a psychological perspective benefits everybody. It benefits the employee at the, at the very start and the foundational level, but it branches out into the organization overall. And I'm seeing more and more businesses and organizations and leaders who recognize this and who realize how important it is to support this idea of mental wellness. So again, using my background with clinical psych, I love working with individual clients and the couples that I work with, but I wanted to expand to try and hit a bigger audience. Mm -hmm. And luckily, you know, again, one of the few silver linings of the pandemic is people opened up to the idea of webinars and letting me be on a virtual stage with them, sharing these ideas and talking to leaders and employee resource groups around the importance of mental wellness. The women's power, that is just an easy jump for me. I, I was raised by a incredibly powerful woman who was ahead of her time when it came, it came to talking about women and female issues. One of the premises my mom raised my sister and I with was that you had to have, a, a she called it a career, but a way to earn your own money because you can't rely on the fact that you may get married someday. And she used to say, okay, but if the marriage doesn't work out or if something happens to your husband, you need a way to take care of yourself. And that was just embedded. I mean, from as early as I can remember, she used to talk about that. And it's one of the biggest gifts she gave to both my sister and I, who are the type of women that God forbid something happened in my case to my husband, I'd be okay. I'd be, I'd be more than okay. Or when I did get divorced, I was okay. You know, I, I had to work hard and restart a lot of stuff, but I had that. So having that power as a woman and having those conversations with all female groups, I mean, that's where I, I love the mental health stuff, but that's where I actually get goosebumps around really teaching strategies to women about here's what you can actually do, not just inspiring women. I mean, that's lovely. But like, here are some things you can walk out that door and you can apply to your life, whether it's personally or professionally, to take hold of your life and, and develop your voice, no matter how old you are. So yes, they're definitely related. 
I think that organizations that support mental wellness tend to be more open to letting women have a voice and have a seat at the table and develop conversations that even five, 10 years ago, we would have never had in the workplace, like talking about menopause openly at work, seeing it as related to physical and mental health. I think that's so cool that we're having these open conversations about taboo topics now. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> to everything that you said. And I, I'm interested. So you have the two main topics, which is mm -hmm. women's power and then uh, mental health in the workplace. But you offer speaking engagements on subtopics of those two main areas. Right. Exactly. And some of those include making your brain your ally, mm -hmm. a new version for women, creating equity in all areas of our lives, coalescing all the arms of your life to create work-life harmony. I mean, this just, <laughs> each one of these topics could probably have an entire episode of Mama Needs <laughs> a Moment all to their own so that we can dissect it. But we'd like to look at these topics and how they apply specifically to moms. Mm. Beginning with making your brain your ally, how can someone, a mom, make their brain their ally rather than their adversary? Oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the hardest one for particularly for moms, including me. I'm gonna say I, I, every time I say it, it gives me like attention in my chest because we don't do this. It's put yourself as the priority. Oh my gosh. Has to be, has to be right at the foundation, right at the start. You're grabbing your chest. Too I am. I'm grabbing my chest because I'm, I, before getting on, I was telling Christy. So my husband had surgery on his arm. So he's kind of laid out and then my daughter was sick. And so she was laid out and this morning, everybody was getting ready for school. And I kept hearing mom, mom, can you get me mom, mom? And, and I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so yeah, and it's hard. The reason the airlines say, and I, it's an analogy that's floated around. This is not something I created, but they, the airlines say, put your oxygen mask on first. And it's so that you can be at your best to then turn to whoever you're with to help them. But women do not, moms do not do this in our regular lives. We will sacrifice and sacrifice. My mom used to talk about it as like chickens, just pecking at you all day long and taking little pieces. Because again, my mom was a realist when it came to even being a mom. And women will, or moms will continually do this where they, are, they deplete themselves. They become physically exhausted, mentally strung out. They lose who they are as a person, not as a mom, but as a person. And retaining that identity as an individual is so important because if you lose that, then who are you? And women who say, well, I'm a mom. I'm like, that's not all you are. Yeah, it's an important piece. One you might feel very passionate about, but that's not the limit. I wouldn't go walk around telling people I'm a coach and that's it. Like that's silly. Or I'm a redhead. I, we are more than just one thing. But I think moms forget that sometimes. And their whole perspective is mom, 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 instead of, okay, here's a day. There's a hundred percent I can give in one day. And everything has to fit into that 100%. So I can't give 100% to my kids every day. You can't. You can't. Well, let me phrase that. You can if you do nothing else. So you're not giving to work. You're not giving to your partner. You're not giving to your elderly parents. You're not giving to your pets because 100% is for your kids. 
that is a ridiculous societal construct. We only have 100% in the day. So you have to divide up all your roles and responsibilities in that 100%. And don't get me started when people say I give 110%. Again, mathematical impossibility. <laughs> That's so so the idea that does this do just do the math. You've got 100%. How are you going to divide it up? Maybe some days is 100% your kids. God bless you. That's exhausting. But it's more likely that some days you give your kids 30% and then 20% to organizing your house and 40% to work, whatever it is. That's all you got. And trying to eke out 100% for everything, that's going to leave nothing. And, and darn well, moms better be putting self-care somewhere every day, even if it's just for 2% somewhere every day. And then speaking for myself, I feel bitter and a little bit resentful when I see my husband put himself first, you know, put himself first. I'm like, oh my gosh, why aren't you putting the kids first? You know, it's just this twisted attitude that I have in my mind that I have to sacrifice, you know, myself, but I love that. So to make your brain, your ally, take time for yourself Mm -hmm. for sure. So in another do, speaking do topic, the you only and do have the math. 100%, so you cannot right. devote 100% to kids. You just can't. Love it. Unless you do nothing else for the day, which also includes taking a shower because that's self-care. So yeah. And I've sacrificed that. I, I think a lot of moms have out there. Well, I know I've talked to them. <laughs> yeah. Um, in another speaking topic, you tackle a new vision for women. Mm. What are you implying here when you're talking about a new vision? For women. Yeah, so it's kind of your original question about how these dovetail, and it's it is it is putting yourself. I use the phrase "me too," but not in terms of the um, the societal change movement. That when we talk about what we're just referencing, that it's not saying I'm putting myself first. It's saying that I am also a priority, and that's part of the vision for women. It's also retraining our brains to not just take on and be conditioned to the stereotypes for women. So whether it's that you have to have children, whether it's that if you choose to have children, you have to put them first. It's that, you know, I was just on a a meeting and someone was saying, it was a random tangent, they were talking about game shows and why there's not more female winners than male winners is because women are trained to wait until the host says the entire question then they formulate the response and give it. Whereas men will jump right in and interrupt. And I literally was like, oh, oh my gosh, that is so true. And it's so, so simplistic, but it is this idea that women have to be the, the stereotypes. And even as powerful women, women who are running a podcast on top of everything else, women who are running their own businesses, you fall into them so easy. So it's helping women use cognitive behavioral strategies to break down those stereotypes so that they can ask the question, is that me? I I will fully tell you that, again, my mom raised me that you shouldn't need attention from a man. So it took me until 40 before I said, but I like attention from the man I'm with. I I, I really do. And if I don't get that, it doesn't suit me. It doesn't satisfy me in a relationship. So that's a stereotype more likely for women that I'm okay with because it is me. But other stereotypes, mm, not so much. So I help women break that down. And that's the new vision for women. Oh, perfect. Yay. <laughs> yes. I have pom-poms. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, 
This episode is sponsored by Her Circle, the supportive and welcoming community for moms created by Her Health Collective. Her Circle is a welcoming and supportive community for moms who are passionate about making change for themselves, their families, the community, and the world. Together, this village of women are revolutionizing the way moms take care of themselves. From an active, private online community and the incredible daily chats hosted there, to our many virtual gatherings, including support groups, mom's night out, volunteer opportunities, book club, family adventures, coffee chats, and so much more. We love providing moms the chance to connect and create authentic relationships with one another. The network of experts in her circle are a phenomenal resource and provide great learning experiences for moms on topics ranging from women's health to parenting. We cover the issues that matter to moms the most, from virtual expert Q&As to one-on-one Wellness Minute consultations and support groups. We are committed to getting moms in front of the information, experts, and support they need most. To learn more about Her Circle, head to www.herhealthcollective.com slash her dash circle. We have a limited number of spaces and the doors only open a few times a year. So be sure to add your name to the no obligation waitlist so you are the first to know when the doors officially reopen. I do have one more for you. Yes. What are some ways powerful women can step into their power, be a model for their children, and still create work-life harmony? This is so tough, but yeah, and I, I hate to be redundant, but it, it really is allowing your kids to see that that you are also a priority, that they are important and a priority, but so are you. I'm gonna give you a really clear example recently. I, I, sad example, but, and you both are aware of this. So my mom died two months ago. It has been the hardest thing I've ever done, been through in my life. I did not expect the level of grief that, that I, you know, you, you know, it's hard, but when you go through it, it's mind blowing. At one point, my 20 year old daughter was, was dealing, was struggling with something and it was significant in her world, you know, trying to figure things out. And I had to say to her, didn't have to, I chose to say to her, I do not have the cognitive energy right now. I don't, I don't have the energy. I don't have the patience. I have to focus on just maintaining myself right now. I don't have it. And I don't know when I'm going to have it back, but it might take weeks and it might take months and I will be there for you in ways I can, but it's not going to be at the same level as what you're used to. And that's just the way it is. That was incredibly hard to do. That is not how I was raised. And that is not how society has taught me to be a mom. My society has taught me to push it all aside and be there for my kid. And I could have done that. And it probably would have been detrimental to her. Definitely would have been detrimental to me. And I said, no, I, nope, I'm actually going to take this time. Now I know that's an extreme case. And of course, some of your listeners might be like, well, of course, but no, it, it just was a hard no of no, I'm, I'm going to do this. So when it's talking about work life, harmony, because again, there's no balance, it is making sure you ask for what you want. And women suck at that. (laughs) We suck at just saying, this is what I want, not what I need, not what I have to have. This is actually what I want. And that is a different premise than need. Need is like, oh, I have no choice. 
want is it is my choice and it's good for me and it's not being selfish it is taking care of yourself so you can be the best in all your roles for everybody else including yourself so so many of these topics the subtopics that i talk about especially when around women's power is about this and and taking ownership of every part of your life your physical wellness your mental healthness your sexual wellness your relationship wellness all of it because it's all part of you so to ignore one part means you're not achieving your whole optimal level i was actually just going to jump in there and say or we we lose touch with it. We lose touch with right. all of that on how, right. what do I need? Oh my gosh, I don't even know because I've ignored it for so long. But what do I want? Yeah. That would be easier sometimes or harder. I don't know. Yeah. Um, Dr. Buckley, I just want to say thank you for your vulnerability and sharing what you shared. I think that what you said to your child in that time is very powerful because it shows a boundary and respect for yourself. And it's also showing your child that there are hard times that we go through as a, as a parent, as an adult. And I think that in the long run, it benefits her in a lot of ways. I'm thinking back to when my grandmother died and how my mom responded. And I feel like in a lot of ways, I would have been better off if she had said something like that to me. And if she had acknowledged that she's just not in a, a headspace where she is able to parent in the way that I'm used to, I think that's very, very powerful. It's funny you say that, Chrissy. I was just talking to my sister, who's my only sibling and also one of my closest friends. And we said that we, our mom was really wonderful, but not perfect because nobody is and no mom is. But when her dad died and she was very close to her dad, we never saw any of this. And we're like, what the heck? So she must have been crying behind doors you know, we never saw the grief. So when this happened for us, when she passed, we were like, we did not realize how bad this was because we never had a model for it. And my kids will have a model. Like they've, they've seen me cry. They've seen me in the middle of a sentence. And I agree with you, Chrissy, that letting them know that you're human and, and setting those boundaries not only sets the boundaries for you, they learn that it's okay to set their boundaries. And that's so important as a woman. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I also want to throw out a book recommendation because so much of what you were saying brought this book back to my mind. It's by Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman, The Confidence Code. And you kept um, you, the story you told about the game show and just a few different times you mentioned the, the power that women have. So for our listeners, if that any of that kind of interests you, sort of the power play of women in work and how women have confidence and how they show up in different scenarios, it's an excellent book. And I almost feel like that stat that you shared may have came, come from that book. That was what kind of <laughs> triggered it for me. Um, so very... Very good read, awesome. but I'm really excited to guide us over into your TED talk now because I am obsessed with this TED talk and I'm so <laughs> excited that it's made it over to the TED main stage, which we talked about earlier. Congratulations on that again. This fabulous TED talk is titled, Why I Gave My Teenage Daughter a Vibrator and You Should Too. And everybody should go listen to this right now, pull it up on YouTube, give it a watch, give it a, a, a thumbs up rating too. In this talk, you explore the idea that sexual pleasure for girls, young women, and adult women is more than what it seems. It's about connecting women from early ages and into their adulthood to who they are physically, mentally, and psychologically. 
being comfortable with their sexual pleasure can help young women connect with their identities and embrace ownership of themselves. Ultimately, by connecting to their sexual pleasure, women of all ages find their voice and equalize the playing field in all areas of their lives from the bedroom to the boardroom. I love that phrasing. <laughs> Not my phrasing, y'all. That, that's all Dr. Buckley right there. At the top of the TED Talk, you pose a very powerful question. You say, I absolutely love this. Why are we more comfortable talking about female pain, things like period cramps, breast cancer, birthing pains, miscarriages, and sexual assault, than we are talking about female pleasure? Why does a vibrator make us uncomfortable, but Viagra does not? You will also share some statistics. So if you're listening, buckle up because this will <laughs> get your, your heart rate pumping a little bit. Um, these, these may be shocking and uncomfortable for some parents. Girls typically develop a desire for sexual contact between the ages of 11 and 14. Between the ages of 15 and 19, 42% of them have had vaginal and or oral sex. Through the cell phones right in their back pockets, 57% of girls and 84% of boys between the ages of 14 and 18 have watched pornography. Now, I just typed up and took in a lot of information, like quoted you verbatim from your TED Talk, because I think A, all of this information is very important, and B, I want people to have a little bit of context as we dive into this conversation. But C, everybody, again, should go listen to the entire TED Talk, because it's really, really good. But Dr. Buckley, I'd love to know what is your advice for parents when it comes to raising girls in a way that they can connect to their sexual pleasure while still feeling like they are protecting them as much as possible? So hard nowadays. Uh, nowadays, makes it sound like I'm 90, but it's so hard when there's so much out there. And I think the best way, and again, I get random emails from people who ask me these kind of questions, is just the open communication. And some, mostly moms who have reached out said, well, my kid's 15, isn't it too late? It's never too late to start. And it's never too late to, to use your own experiences to say, I get it. I get why this is uncomfortable to talk about with your mom or your parent, but this is why it's important. And that's where it really starts. The, the communication is essential. And the hardest part for parents, myself included, is not being judgmental when your kid or reactive when your kid comes with a question. I mean, it's so easy. You know, they come with this like thing that again, you're like, where, how, why are they asking? And did this already happen? And all those like protective questions, but trying to retain and sometimes cognitive behavioral strategies help with this, that objectivity to answer their questions. And what I usually tell people is establish your goal and establish your goal before your kid comes with the questions. Is your goal to protect them or is your goal to give them accurate information so they can protect themselves? That's hard because you want to do both. You can't do both always. You're not always going to be there. So my choice was to protect to offer information so that my kids could protect themselves, whether it was my sons or my daughters. That was my goal. And I established that really early in my life, again, probably from teaching from my mom. 
So when my kids came to me with questions that I did not expect or out of the blue, and in the TED Talk, I talk about how this whole talk was created based on a question when I was driving with my 13-year-old daughter. And she asked, you know, about using a vibrator or told me she was using, uh, actually, she didn't say she was using a vibrator. She said she was masturbating. And I was like, what? We were, we're, we're going, we're running errands. Where did this come from? And my brain went into that like tailspin. And I was like, all right, is my goal to have a reaction and freak out? Or is my goal to help her? And my goal is to help her. So I think when parents establish what your goal is and then stick with that goal and anything that's going to come out of your mouth that isn't aligned with that goal, you squelch it. And sometimes it takes, and I've talked with parents walking out of the room saying, you know what, that's a really important question. I'm going to go think about that. And because I want to give you the best answer. And sometimes they're walking out of the room because they need to go freak out in the bathroom, get themselves together so they can come back and have a rational conversation with their child. But if you react in that moment, when your child asks you something like another client I referenced in the TED talk, when she was talking about anal sex, if there was a reaction when that happened, well, how do you know about that? And why would you ask me about that? And have you done it? Your kid's never coming back to you and they're going to get information on the internet or from friends, two of the worst places for them to get any kind of accurate information. So that's the first step is establishing your goal and then making sure that becomes your litmus for any conversation you have with your kids. And if you can't handle it, then you check yourself out of that conversation until you can, or you hand off to someone who can. So in, in my case, for example, um, my girl's biological father has a really hard time with these conversations. They don't go to him with these conversations because they're afraid of his reaction or they're they're uncomfortable with his reactions because it makes him uncomfortable. So he hands it off to me and that's okay. That's absolutely okay to know your strengths and weaknesses, especially when you have someone else who can step in. Yeah. Now you said your daughter brought up to you that she was masturbating. And I think that right there shows an open line of communication that she felt comfortable coming to you with that. And you mentioned that they wouldn't, your children wouldn't do that with her father necessarily in this case. So you mentioned not being reactive, mm -hmm. objectivity when you're answering questions and establishing that goal beforehand mm -hmm. of protecting them or giving them accurate information so they can protect themselves. And these are all hugely helpful, especially in the moment. But I think that there is an element of trust that you had already built with your child. And it did stem from those. They, they've seen through examples over time that you won't be reactive and that you'll objectively answer their questions. But I think there's something else in your relationship that you've built over time that has that trust between the two of you. So if a parent really wants to have that open line of communication. Do you have any advice of how you build that foundation in the relationship? Yeah, it goes back to another question. Questions are great because questions let people have choice. And I understand as parents, sometimes it's hard to phrase questions so that it's, a, it's an okay choice on either side. But the question that I, I suggest to parents and that they use and that I use now almost like a mantra is when your kid comes to you, you ask the question. So this is about any topic. Are you looking for advice or do you want me to listen? Simple question. And they get to choose. And the trick is if they choose that they just want you to listen, you have to really keep your mouth shut because you asked them the question, they gave you the answer, and now you give them what they asked for. 
And that's hard for parents. Well, of course, we want to help and we want to give advice and we want to steer them away from trouble. But if you ask that question and you do what they they asked for, they that's how you build trust. And I've seen that work with 20-year-old kids coming to their parents because and who don't have a trusting relationship. And their parents start asking that question. Do you want advice or do you want me to listen? And as long as you ask the question and then adhere to what your child said, then it's amazing how quickly they trust that when they come to you, they're going to get what they actually need in the moment. Because honestly, if you're trying to give advice and your kid doesn't want it right at that moment or isn't open to it, it's it's a waste of time anyway. And it's also okay if they say, I want advice, and then you start giving advice and they're like fighting you and you're like, okay, let's just reevaluate. Do you want me to listen? Because it doesn't seem like you want the advice and that's okay. Or do you still want advice? And you're just questioning. They get to adjust it. If, if the conversation isn't going well, a lot of parents will fight back. Like you said you wanted advice instead of just saying, hey, again, just like you would do at work. Hey, this doesn't seem to be the right time. Do you want to go back to me just listening? Because that's okay. And then we can do advice later on. We would do that in a heartbeat at work because it's not a place where we're, we're going to have fights and debates. But yet with our kids, we forget all that. We're just like, oh, no, you said you wanted to listen or you said you wanted advice and it's not worth it. So the advice listen question is ridiculously magical in creating trust quickly, even with older kids. Oh, so good. So, so good. Another question that I've had a therapist help me reframe is rather than just saying, why to somebody help me understand yes. will you help me understand right mm -hmm. your reason for blah 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 it softens it so much <laughs> so yes. yeah yes. there's definitely yes. something in delivery right <laughs> it really is yep help me understand or i wasn't really clear and i really do want to make sure i understand what you're coming yeah any of that is also magical dr buckley as a clinical psychologist author, speaking guru, <laughs> workshop guru, all of the good stuff. Your mom, um, you have so much wisdom. You have the attention of our entire audience of which the majority of our, our base is moms. So based on your expertise, what is the most significant call to action you'd encourage moms to take in their lives? A huge shout out to our Patreon subscribers. Your support truly means the world to us. Thanks to you, we are able to continue the weekly production of Mama Needs a Moment and get this valuable information from these incredible guests out to you, our listeners. This final question has been recorded as a mini bonus episode and is available for our Patreon subscribers to go listen to right now. We asked Dr. Robin Buckley to answer the question of what is the most significant call to action she'd like to encourage moms to take in their lives. Be sure to log into your Patreon account and have a listen. It's been such a joy talking to you. It really has. I've learned so much. I've written down a bunch of things that I want to take with me as we wrap this conversation up. So thank you for your time. Absolutely. I, this has been an honor. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Dr. Buckley. Thanks, Chrissy. Takeaways from part two. What, what, what did you walk away with, Cindy? I really enjoyed when Dr. Buckley started talking about 
establishing a goal before your kid comes to talk to you. This came from our conversation around creating an open line of communication with your child. And that was actually a big takeaway for me too. That whole conversation, she said something that really resonated with me, probably because it's my own personal struggle in motherhood in particular is being reactive. And you really have to hone in that reactivity when your child asks you a question or says something in order to create a relationship where they feel that they can come to you in the future when something comes up. If you fly off the handle or are very reactive, they're less likely to come to you with problems. And in this case, we're talking about questions about things. So I, that really stuck out to me. She provided a question that what is very beneficial to ask your kids prior to just diving into offering them feedback. She said, are you looking for advice or do you want me to just listen to you? And that's wonderful. It's such a powerful question. I've actually, I've read it in different books, more specifically applying to just if somebody is going through a hard time and they approach you and it's just a good way to be a good friend or a good partner, or in this case, a good mom, I've never really thought about using that with my children though. And I absolutely love it, but it, it works in all of our relationships. I think that are you looking for advice or do you want me to listen? Because there's a lot of power in that. Sometimes people don't want advice. They just want you to hold space for them. And it's through therapy. And I guess as self-help becomes more and more popular and people read more and more of these things, I'm noticing more of my friends saying stuff like that to me, or, you know, like it's just becoming more prevalent. And I, I appreciate that because my partner Noah is the king of giving advice or trying to fix things. And there are so many times where I'm like, dude, this is not (laughs) what I need. So I think that applies to our kids too. I, I absolutely love that question. I just tried a new framework actually with a friend that's been struggling, just being open with them and saying, I wish that I could say the perfect thing to you right now to make it better, but I can't. If you want me to just sit with you, I can for support. If you want me to listen, I can. And I felt after saying that, I felt so free because they know that I'm there, but at the same time, I'm reminding myself that I can't make it better. So I feel like this is kind of in line with the same thing that she said, you know, we can be honest with our kids. That was another piece that she had said in one of the, one of the episodes about just being really open with your children about if you're struggling with something, letting them know that you're not completely available to them at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of power in that honesty and both for ourselves and the, the individual in this case, our child that we're, we're talking to. So yeah, absolutely love it. High five friend. We've enjoyed hanging out with you. Follow us to be the first to know when we drop a new episode. If you've enjoyed your time with us, let us know by leaving a review. We always love hearing from you until next time. Stay true to you.